Women Taking the Lead, Episode 75. Appreciation over expectation works so much better all the time if you can just apply that one simple rule. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. Head over to womentakingthelead.com to get the solutions to your top five leadership challenges. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Robin Barnes, who lives in North Yarmouth, Maine, with her husband and is the mother of two children, Nicholas, who is 23, and Alexandra, who is 18 and a freshman at Holy Cross College in Worcester, Mass., where I grew up. Since returning to Maine back in 1989, Robin has run and operated her own businesses, which allowed her to raise her children and work at the same time. Her newest adventure with co-owner Barb Brown is Carpe Diem Wine Room, located in Yarmouth, Maine, and I had the pleasure of visiting the Carpe Diem Wine Room with a friend, and it is lovely. So if you are in the area, you have got to get there. All right, Robin, that's just a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your own humble beginnings. I am a uh, 51-year-old woman. I am a military child, so I had the luxury of being raised all over the world. And one of the things by being a military child and being raised all over the world is that you had to learn how to adapt and adjust to situations all the time. I lived in different states, including different countries. I lived four years in Subic Bay in the Philippines. And as part of this cast, what I would want people to know is that that experience has been just amazing growing up because it's led me to realize that you can adjust to any situation and you can do anything if you set your mind to it. Um, I wouldn't trade my upbringing for anything. We moved to Maine when I was 12 and I left Maine when I graduated high school because I wanted to go off into a big city on my own, moved to DC for six years, which is where I met my husband and deciding we wanted to raise our children Um, not in a big city. We wanted to come back to Maine, where Maine possesses the the value and the cores that I really uh, enjoyed and left the most lasting impression on me um, as a military child because we moved to Maine when I was 12. Mm, And you definitely come across, Robin, as someone who's very adaptable because you have a lot going on in your life. And just in the planning and getting going of this interview, I was throwing a lot of things at you at the last minute and you were just like, okay, Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> adapting and adjusting is something that um, I like. I like to think on my feet and make decisions. I find some of the best decisions are made on the fly when you don't have a lot of time to think. You just go with what you think is right and what you think will work. Mm-hmm. You have to base it on the best information you have right. and your gut, gut feeling. Yes, I can be a victim of analysis paralysis on occasion. I don't like it. But you're right. If you have too much time to think about things, you can end up stalling. Well, Robin, you've certainly had success in your life and you've definitely gained confidence over the years. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. It may have been something you realized in retrospect that you had undervalued 
valued, what you were capable of in the past. Share with us the story and the lessons you've learned. Well, that's an easy one to answer because when I moved to the D.C. area and I first got married, um, I did not attend college. I took some college courses and I did not attend college and just set my mind on the fact that I was going to go out in the world and I could land a job and I could do anything I set my mind to. And I took a job that was working for a law firm. And I walked into that job ready to take it on and realized I wasn't hired to take it on. I was hired to sit in the back and do work that did not help me grow professionally or personally. And it was work that was un unsatisfying. And so I kept trying to move myself forward in that job and realizing no matter how hard I worked, that the value of my contribution was not there. And so I had a hard time with that. I had a hard time realizing, wait a minute, I can do anything I want to do, but this job itself made me feel like I had was bringing nothing to the table. And I stayed with the job because I was a young married woman, no children yet, and thought that, you know, I needed to have a job and bring home a paycheck, not realizing at that age that bringing home a paycheck uh, was more, was not as important as it was nurturing myself and my needs. And so I stayed in that job a lot longer than I should have. And I wish I could go back and change it because I realize now the old cliche, if I knew then what I know now, I would have um, absolutely left that job and taken a job that was more fulfilling and more, maybe not quite as financially, you know, not as well financially, but it would have been more for me and what made me happy. And when I left that, when I finally did decide to leave that job, that's exactly what I did. But it took a long time and I feel like I lost a piece of myself by doing that job for longer than I should have. Mm, and, you know, isn't it true that especially I find in the United States that our identities are very um, tied together with the work that we do, our jobs, our titles. And I hear women telling me stories over and over again about how, you know, they took a job because financially, you know, it, it was a good job and it had a title that they could share with pe people when they were first meeting them. Right. And they felt good about the title, but it was work that they just did not love doing. And it was it was taking a toll on them and they paid a price for it. Um, and on the flip side, people taking jobs where they they knew they were better than the work that was being offered. And people started relating to them as that position, which then in turn impacted their self-image because they knew they were capable of doing work that was so much more than what they were doing. And they took a hit to their identity at that point as well. Is that what you found, Robin? Absolutely. That's exactly what happened. And as I started this, you know, interview with you, one of the things that I was the most am was and am the most proud of is, you know, moving all over the world and adapting. And so when I took that job and I worked under those circumstances, I absolutely, absolutely was just it was it was almost like just being in a dark room because I'm, I know I've got way more to offer than that and the, what the job was doing. And I wasn't hired to be part of a team. I was be, I was hired to just, you know, basically all but work in the trenches and that, and I'm not, you know, taking anything away from that 
you know, work. And, and thankfully we've got people that do all different types of work. But for me personally, I, it, it, it affected me deeply on my outgoing personality and my, you know, wait a minute, I can do this and don't tell me I can't do this. But as well as just to go back a second, um, as well as that, that growing up in a military family and growing up having the luxury and, you know, amazing, opportunity to be raised all over the world. I was also raised with, you take a job, it's nine to five, you work every day, you, you know, contribute every day and very much a military work of ethics. And, um, from a father who was a career military man and, you know, you do what you have to do and you get the job done. And it wasn't a matter of taking risks and it wasn't a matter of, um, you know, figuring out what I really wanted and how I really wanted it. It was a matter of you have a job, you do it. And truth be told, I thought working for a law firm would be exciting. And I thought it would be a lot of, you know, just really informative. And I would get, you know, a different profession to put under my belt. And it couldn't have been more opposite. Mm -hmm. And that's going to impact, you know, how you feel about the position too, is when you go in with the expectations, you know, and I agree with you, there's nothing wrong with with working in the trenches, but you got to feel like you're getting something from it. Like there's got to be more value to the work than the work itself, either being tied to a bigger mission, because I know people who are very capable doing trench work, but they're working for companies that they're incredibly proud to be part of. Or you, you're learning as you go on the job and gaining skills that make it worthwhile for you to be in that position. Absolutely. And I always say one of my token sayings that I say to my friends, my family, my children, and, and just people that you know I get into general conversation with is appreciation over expectation works so much better all the time if you can just <laughs> apply that one simple rule. Mm, say more about that, Robin. How, do, how does that apply for you? Well, for me, it's a matter of I think that the world is difficult enough on its own with everyday struggles, whether it's financial, whether it's relationships, whether it's with parenting. I think it's difficult. And I think the kindest thing that you can do that is to appreciate someone and not, not, you know, it's not about money and it's not about gifts. It's not about anything like that. It's about appreciation for either a job well done, a nice gesture, a gift time. And for me growing up, I feel like I did, you know, I was, expectation was big and I don't mean that in a bad way or a negative way, but expectations were big for part of my upbringing. And, you know, this is the way we do it. This is how we do it. Again, it goes back to that military upbringing a little bit. And it wasn't that I didn't feel appreciated, but I didn't realize how much better appreciation was. And that sometimes appreciation, no matter where it comes from, is so important in order to your self-worth, your self-being, and you performing at a higher level because you feel like you're contributing. And once I learned that lesson, and once I realized that that was exactly how I wanted to live my life, opportunities created themselves and changed themselves. And the way I handled situations changed enormously for me. And that was a turning point. Mm -hmm. That is huge. Appreciation. Yeah. The way you described it, it brought to mind that it is soul food for people. So be sure to give it away plentifully. It's free. (laughs) 
It's true. Yeah. I saw a quote not too long ago that said, you know, appreciation is free. Sprinkle it everywhere because it is. It's something you don't, it's again, like I said, it's not about gifts. It's about just saying to someone that thank you for something or how nice of you to do that or that's a great job well done or, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful that you did so and so or it helped me in this way or it, there's just appreciation is it's a, such a wonderful word and to use it with everyone I think is so important. Mm, amen. All right, Robin, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. For me, it was, I, I let's go back, absolutely. For me, it was when, when my children were born. I, you know, before, like I said, I took jobs that were nine to five. I took jobs that, you know, I knew I would get a certain paycheck. I knew I would have. And when my son was born 23 years ago, I said to myself, I want to be, I want to have it all. I want to, and I can, I know I can, I know I can do it. I have the personality to do it. And I decided at that point in time that I wanted to be able to work on my terms, that I wanted to be able to be with my children on my terms. I wanted to be able to, and at the time I was just say my son, my children are five years apart. Um, with my son, when I became pregnant, I decided that, you know what, let's figure out a way for it to work for you and your lifestyle and not to work for everyone else's, you know, needs. And so I reinvented myself at that time. I decided to start, you know, a small bookkeeping business that I could work on hours at home when the baby was sleeping. I took a job and said, I'm willing to get the job done and do whatever I need to do, but I need to have the autonomy to do it. You need to trust in my, me as a person and a professional to be able to get the job done you let me know when that is, and I will give you the security of making sure that that gets done. So the life-changing time for me came when uh, my son Nicholas was born. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm not a mother, but I hear so many people talk about making a lot of lifestyle changes when they realize they're pregnant, mm -hmm. like a lot of women, obviously. But, you know, it's that, you know, and for men, knowing that there is going to be a child that they're going to be providing for has a similar effect on them as well, that all of a sudden it it shifts your priorities and you're able to take action where maybe you are only thinking about it beforehand. That's right. That's and I'm also, I'm also very lucky, I will put this out there as well, is that, you know, my husband, who we've been married 29 years, um, my husband provided that level of security for me and said, you go do what you need to do and we'll figure this out. And so I was very lucky in that aspect as well. And him knowing me was like, if she says she'll do it, she'll do it. If she says she can do it, she can do it. And that's how we built from that foundation. Um, and I, you know, and it's not possible for everyone. And I don't want under any circumstances in this process with you and I having this conversation for me to say, I, I was one of the lucky ones and not everyone can do that. I was lucky to where my children did not have to go to daycare. And I had that, I had that luxury by being willing to make sacrifices on the other end. And what I mean by that is I was up working at two o'clock in the morning to get stuff done. I was, you know, I was the person that was working on the weekends to get stuff done when my husband was then home to be with the, with Nicholas at the time. Um, he worked nights, I worked days. We literally were like two ships that passed in the night. So I was, it was, I was fortunate to have someone by my side that understood that this is how I was going to do it. And he was going to go along for the ride. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And if someone doesn't have the same exact circumstances, they certainly can, you know, move their life a little further towards what they want it to look like. Absolutely. Um, yes. And, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, I do want to say for the women who do not have children, you certainly don't need to become pregnant to get the motivation no, to no. make changes. Oh, it's my moment. When you ask me my moment, everyone. Yeah. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Just because I was, I'm, I, this, this is all on me because I, I just want to underscore like what that moment is. Is all about is just a sense of urgency, yeah. right? Like now's the time to do it. Here's why. And so even if you don't have children, you can, all you need to do is create that urgency Absolutely. in your life that now is the moment. So yeah. Robin, thank you for that. And further, as we go into this interview, when we get to, you know, the story behind Carve Diem is even more phenomenal than what we've shared so far, um, because that was also a life-changing moment. So I realize I'm probably jumping ahead a little bit, but I just wanted to throw that out there because I want to add to this story for the other women listening to this broadcast. Ooh, so let's let's move it along so we can get there because I want to hear that story. But first, I'm going to ask you about your leadership style, right? Because we all have different things that we bring to the table. So it makes perfect sense that we would all lead differently and we don't want to get too attached to somebody else's leadership style because it may or may not work for us. So Robin, how would you describe your leadership style? I am a total extrovert. I am a I am a type A personality extrovert. I am all about, you know, I believe they're leaders and followers and you need both. And I'm definitely the person that would throw myself in a leadership role because I feel like I am, I'm quick on my feet. I, I am able to adjust my sales and I feel like I can handle a situation um, immediately and be able to say to everybody or people that are counting on me for leadership to say, my way may not be the right way, but it's a, a way that I think will work in this situation. So I am all about handling things at the moment of impact. I'm all about, you know, not, um, and, and that served me well so many times and there's sometimes it hasn't, but it served me well on many, many occasions where it's just a matter of let's get it done. It doesn't matter how we do it, but let's get it done. It's, it, it matters what happens and how it turned out. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you find this true uh, for you, yourself as well, because I'm also an extrovert. So what happens is I'm happy to follow. But if somebody's not stepping up, if someone's not taking the lead, I find myself just being Kind of, not really yanked, but pulled to do it. Like somebody's got to do it. So I find I find myself stepping up. But this role, because because extroverts can like act quickly. We don't we don't tend to overthink things, or sometimes we don't think enough about right, things. Right. <laughs> right? So we tend to just like take action quickly, but. Within time, you know, the more introverted people have had a chance to think things through and to strategize. I find that over time, like sometimes they will step up more into leadership and I find I can take more of a step back to see things so that the process is seen through. Um, so it's an evolving leadership style Correct. as well. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've been fortunate enough in my life to partner up with people business-wise that, you know, including Barb, um, as, you know, we have different leadership styles, but they're, they complement each other beautifully. And it does make you pause and think on both sides of it. How would the introvert over the extrovert work in the situation? Mm-hmm. So true. So true. I, I do the same thing. I think of my calm you know, more introverted friends in certain moments and try to think like, what would they do in this moment? And it usually guides me through a a tricky or difficult situation. 
All right. All right, Robin, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Um, I would say it's event planning. I have always felt like I've missed my calling with event planning. I love to put things together. One of my favorite words to use and is now become quite a funny word is the word zhuzh. And it's spelled in an urban dictionary where it's really not even a word of J-E-U-G-E. And and so I love to be able to organize events and plan things out that make other people, they're happy and it brings joy to their, you know, what, whatever event they want, as well as the opportunity um, for financial gain doing that job. And I have always wanted to you know, do that zhuzh. I want to decorate and I want to, you know, make things comfortable and flow and warm and glowing. So I would say right now, event planning is the most exciting new territory for me and putting things together. And I love it. I did not know that. I was aware of the Carpe Diem Wine Room, but I didn't realize you had event planning go on, going on as well. Is that a part of Carpe Diem or, or totally separate? No, it's a part of Carpe Diem. I mean, we... The space that Carpe Diem has is a beautiful room that can be used for many, many things. And it's becoming quite the function location in Yarmouth. Um, So I actually, a few weeks ago, performed a wedding here. I actually married the couple. And they held their reception here as well after they got married. I have another wedding booked going into 2016. We have done a lot of different events. Of um, We just did a charity event here this past Saturday for a little girl who has cancer. And it was a closed room event. Um, and we were able to raise money and give a good part of our profits for this little girl, for her family, for cancer. So we have done a lot of different event planning uh, planning stuff here. We've done, you know, Yarmouth's PTO, soccer boosters book clubs, a high school reunion. Um, and we also have uh, appreciation nights. I have one this week where someone's coming in and holding a appreciation night for his clients, which are going to be between 20 to 25 people. And they come here. And so we get to plan the events of, you know, what they're going to have, when they're going to have it, where the setting's going to be, how it's going to be set up, um, music, all of that kind of stuff. So we do all of that at Carpe Diem. And I'm hoping really to spend more time working on that. It's difficult, though, with a full-time day job and then the full-time carpe diem at night job. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you and I should talk sometime because I keep thinking of doing a meetup locally for the the women and men who are listening to women taking the lead. So I was even thinking of a meetup potentially at carpe diem. Absolutely. Yeah. So you, you and I need to chat offline. And Robin, you, you promised the story behind... Um, you and Barb joining forces for Carpe Diem. What is that story? Well, it started like this. I am a Sauvignon Blanc drinker. And in my mind, you know, the only people, the only country that could make Sauvignon Blanc was New Zealand. And so um, when I turned 50, I went to uh, DC to the Virginia area to have my family had a birthday party for me. And, um, Barb and I had gone down there on some business. So she was with me and they took us out to dinner at a place called Vino Volo. And Vino Volo is the, um, very first flight bar that was created in the Philadelphia airport because, they, you know, this, this person, this gentleman was not able to find what he thought was a quality glass of wine and he couldn't taste any of them to decide which ones he likes. So he created Vino Volo, which is a wine flights and wine flights for people who don't know are the tasting of three wines 
for the same pour as a glass, but you get to try three either completely different wines or three different wines from the same type, like Chardonnay or Sav Blanc or Cabernet. So we went down there, and when I went in there, uh, Barb ordered a flight of red. I ordered a flight of white, not even really understanding the whole process at the time. And the first one, I think, was Italy, Spain, and France. And I thought, okay, wait a minute. Maybe, maybe someone besides New Zealand can do Sauvignon Blanc. And then I proceeded to order my second flight, which gave me three different ones. And I think it might have been South Africa, Chile, and probably New Zealand. And so I had I had, had tried six different Sauvignon Blancs for the pour of two glasses of wine and walked away going, I loved this one. This one was okay. And thought, this is brilliant. What a phenomenal way to try wine. And Barb had done the same with red. So we, you know, Barb and I had been wanting to do, we've done some other adventures together um, as we've known each other for 14 years. And we decided, we, you know, we were coming out of lunch one day and I turned around and looked at her and said, I know exactly what we should do. We should open our own wine room and offer flights. And Bar- we, and that, it just was perfect. We both said, okay, we couldn't come up with a reason not to do this other than being willing to take a leap and grabbing your home equity checkbooks because we just decided well, our children were raised and my her daughter is a junior in college and her son has graduated as well and my daughter was going off to college and we thought, you know what, if we're ever going to take a plunge and and really just put ourselves out there, this was going to be it. And so we made the decision right then and there to, like I said, just open our get our grab our home equity checkbooks and take the plunge and not be afraid to try something different. I loved it. It was the first experience I had had with it. And actually my friend who, whose idea it was to, to go to Carpe Diem, she had been already and came back and said, Hey, the next time we're planning to get together, we should go here because it was awesome. And she described it to me and I said, yes, I'm on board. Next thing you know, we were there and I got to meet you and Barb and it was a lovely experience and there were yummy nibbles and I had my my flight of wine and it was an experience and I really enjoyed it. So that was a great idea. Well, and it's a, what's really nice about it, when Barb and I decided to do this, we wanted to create a place that we would want to go to. You know, Barb is her our children, we actually met, her husband coached our boys in hockey 14 years ago. And we have spent a lot of times time as sport parents, you know, in different places where it was paper plates and paper napkins. And so we're like, you know what, let's do this and let's do it where it's just simple elegance, but unpretentious and a place where we would want to go, a place where you want to come and sit and you're not looking over your shoulder going, oh, we've been here too long or we probably (laughs) should do something, you know, order something different. Carpe Diem is designed to be a place to come and just exhale and visit with whoever you want to spend your time with, whether it's a friend, a family member, a, you know, a child, if they're old enough to drink, let me just throw that in there. Um, and, <laughs> and I want to be clear about that. Um, but it gives you the opportunity to come in and just, you know, one of the quotes on our wall is um, just breathe. You'll never live this moment again. And that really sums up what Barb and I were trying to do. We wanted to offer something out there to people just like us, both male and female, where it's like, you know what? Give yourself a break and try something different and enjoy just to take a few minutes for you. Mm, That's exactly the feel I had while I was there. So well done. You accomplished that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) 
All right, Robin, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? Listening. Listening mm-hmm. is probably one of the, and, and that is, has come to me in better, in a better form and more consistent the older I've gotten because people, people have brilliant ideas and thoughts and you have to be receptive to that. And you have to really, uh, you know, there's, there's just so much out there for people to give that you really need to really be ready to receive it and listen. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like taking the time to allow somebody to open up to share those that's thoughts. That's very true too. And that's the yeah. hardest piece. We don't, you know, if anything I've learned is that you have to take time. And I would just so encourage this to anyone out there to hear that you have to sometimes just stop and do what's good for you, your soul, your well-being. And time in whatever way that is, is it's a gift and you really need to take it. Mm-hmm. You know, what's really ironic in it all, Robin, I find, I don't know if you experience this as well. It's just sometimes the urgency I'm feeling in the moment that makes the other person feel rushed. That oftentimes, if I just calm down and think to myself, I'm going to give them as much time as it takes for them to say what they need to say, they actually say things pretty quickly. Right. It's just a matter of knowing someone's listening and they're not distracted on something else. Um, mm-hmm. You know, time is time is a gift too. And if you give someone your time, it's like parenting. You know, it's one of those old cliches of don't do so much for your children instead of with your children. It's the same sort of thing with your friends and with your family and people that are important to you or someone who's just having a rough time and just needs a little bit of common kindness. Mm-hmm. And Robin, what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? It would be The Four Agreements. It's called The Four Agreements. And, if, and it, the, the, the agreements are listed on the inside flap. It's not a very big book. But if you can live by those four agreements, it will set you free. Mm-hmm. By Don Miguel Ruiz. The book changed my Mine life. Mine as well. That is, I, I was going to say, gosh, don't ask me the name of the author because I don't remember. <laughs> but that is the book. And I have it and recommend it to anyone who will let me give them the recommendation. Yes. And my oldest um, nieces and nephews, actually, they're all the first ones born were boys. So my oldest nephews are starting to hit 16, 15, 16. And I've started passing on some of the books to to them that have changed my life. And that's one of them um, as well. It's worth sharing. It's worth reading. And you're right. It is a quick and easy read. And it's fascinating. And it's it's powerful. It's very Mm -hmm. powerful. Very. All right, Robin. What advice would you give your younger self? Not to take it all so seriously. Um, you know, the old cliche, if I knew, you know, then what I know now, I think I've already said that once, would be don't conform, you know, take some time to figure it out. There are no right or wrong answers. It's just a matter of doing what works for you in your situation. Just your situation is not the same as anyone else's and what works for them may not work for you and vice versa. Mm, love that. And now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. Um, my favorite one right now is, is never dull your sparkle. And that one is, you know, to me, it's a matter of if you go into situations with a positive attitude and really trying to do your best, there's nothing, there's, there's no more for you to do. And when you have the opportunity to be happy and, and grateful and thankful and enjoy, don't let anyone or anything dull your sparkle. That's my quote. 
I love that. I'm going to enjoy that. All right, Robin, lastly, what is the best way for my community to connect with you? There are, you know, there's a few ways. You can go to, um, right now, uh, carpediumwineroom.com. That's our website. And there are email addresses there um, to reach out to me or Barb. You can certainly come into the wine room. I'd love to meet anyone who'd like to come in and be happy to talk about more of these things if anybody wants to. Uh, but those are probably the best ways to reach out um, to me right now. And they can call the wine room. You can always call the wine room and I'd be happy to talk. And our number is 207-847-5222. Excellent. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. Robin, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.